All right, well, we're live, pal. My name is Drew Vensel, and I would like to welcome you to the very first edition of what I will be calling More Tales from the Estate. And what this is, it is something that I've kind of wanted to do uh, for the past few months. As you guys know, you know, we do Tales from the Estate, me and Caitlin, my wife. But every week we do a top five. And there are just certain things that I'm knowledgeable about or that I enjoy that she maybe does not. So what this show is going to be, this will be a uh, monthly show that I drop once a month where I'm going to have my friends on. I'm going to have family on. I'm going to have people from the community on. And they're going to sit in with me and we are going to do a top five together. And so when I had this idea, there was only one person that I knew that I, I had to have on first because this person has done a lot for the show, but he's done a lot for me personally as a friend, and I'm super excited. So without further ado, I introduce to you, some of you may know him as at Ringside Design, some of you may know him as Seth. I know him as a brother. I give you Seth Forrester. Seth, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm living the dream on a Monday, you know, just trying right? to make it happen. Glad that we could do this. This is a, a long time coming, and so hopefully I live up to the hype that you just gave everyone. Uh, about me, me spending some time with you. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that you are going to do that. So one thing that is huge with me, I know it's huge with you too, but that's music. So oh. today, what we are going to be doing, we are going to be doubling down. We're actually going to be doing two top fives, but the topic of discussion today, rap music. <sighs> yes, my so, love language. Yeah, <laughs> mine as well. Uh, we've had plenty of conversations about this. But before we get into it, I guess, um, you know, because everybody has a story, um, you know, when did you, I guess, discover music in general? Um, are you strictly a rap fan? Are you a fan of everything? Um, you know, kind of what was your uh, big discovery of music? Man, music for me is kind of a family thing. So here's a peel back the curtain moment. My father's a pastor okay. and my mother is a pianist and has taught piano since before I was born. And before my dad became a pastor, he and my mom actually traveled singing gospel music. So very different than rap. Yeah. Um, but, but music, like I was in the studio with my parents or when studio musicians would come in to do backtracking for their music, I would be there. So for me, music has always been a massive thing because of my family. And it's not one of those things where, like, we only listen to gospel music. Like, my dad is huge on funk and R&B and Motown. So I was always listening to Parliament, you know, always listening to Sugar Hill Gang growing up, always listening to, you know, Stevie Wonder was big at my house. I mean, mm -hmm. if it was a Saturday and my dad was cooking, it was Stevie Wonder Central, and we were just jamming as a family. So... I would say my first time really noticing how important music was, I was probably like two or three years old because my parents would embarrass me and like bring me up on stage and make me sing like some little song with them, right. like wherever they were singing. That's great. It's just, it's just, you know, another example of how similar we are, which is so funny is, you know, when you said it's kind of a family thing, that's really what it was for me too. And, you know, music was just always huge for us you know my parents we none of us played any instruments or anything i have zero musical ability um just a, <laughs> a huge fan but you know i was kind of lucky in the sense that my parents were always like they always had the radio on they were always playing music in the car like my mom would be cleaning the house and she'd just you know throw on records and my parents taste in music is polar opposite so my dad is a rock slash soft rock guy so you know he's a big zeppelin fan but he's also like he's huge into phil collins genesis um you know journey things like that so i got that as a kid and strangely enough my mom is a fan of like pop music and also rap music now for her it's more okay. so 
it's more so the beat. It's not so much, you know, the lyrics and everything, but that's what she likes. And then my sister, you know, she was, she's eight years older than me, but, you know, kind of her peak. So when I was born in 88, you know, early 90s was kind of that R&B boom. And so I got all of that, you know, so I got like the boy bands with the new kids on the block, but I also got New Edition and, and Mint Condition and Boys to Men and just all the R&B. And then growing up, um, my neighbor across the street, he was about five years older than me, but he'd let me come over and play basketball with him and stuff. And that was really my first introduction to rap. The first rap album I ever heard in my life was The Chronic. Okay. So pretty good one to start with. Yeah, that, that's not bad. I have a feeling that we're, we're going to hear more about that as we go on. But that's Absolutely. a killer way to get introduced. I mean, ooh, that's not a bad, that's not a bad way to whet the appetite. Right. And so, you know, from from that, I, I mean, I was just hooked. And so I, I love all music. I listen to everything. Like, literally, I listen to everything. Uh, but, you know, rap and hip hop, that is my first love. That's, you know, if I had to listen to one genre of music for the rest of my life, that's going to be it. No um, but, I, you know, I was just I was just hooked from the start. Um, so I guess, you know, kind of getting into rap, what kind of got you into that? Because my parents didn't like it is probably <laughs> the most honest answer. Um, but I think for me, my, my mother was an English major in college. So there was always like poetry or lyrics to things. And, and, and she and my dad, you know, they would write music together. And so I think for me, it was the way that words came together. You know, thinking about how words would flow and rhyming. And so... I don't know if my, my parents just like integrated in my life, like so much Dr. Seuss that it wasn't funny that I thought rhyming was the only way that words could go together. <laughs> but, but I think like, as soon as I heard, you know, even like I said, I mentioned with my dad, like Sugar Hill Gang, mm -hmm. when I heard that it just clicked, like, right. this is what it's supposed to sound like. Like, this is what it's supposed to sound like for me specifically. And, and I have a, like you said, I have a, such a wide variety of music. If someone says, what's your favorite genre? It's, it's always rap, hip-hop is number one. My number two is classic rock. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I have this wide array of music that I love and I listen to, but when it comes to what really, like, spoke to me, I think it was just the way that words would flow together, and it was a different type of beat. It wasn't always guitar-driven, or it wasn't always piano-driven. It was this weird, like, conglomerate of different instruments and sounds, and the way that the words would move is what made it really stick to me in my mind. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so is there like one specific style that you kind of, um, lean towards, you know, I'll, you know, for me, you know, like I said, the first thing I've heard was, was Dr. Dre. So I had a lot of the West coast, you know, I would listen to Snoop Dogg and things like that. But, you know, the biggest one for me, gosh, for probably most of my life and part of it is where I grew up, you know, I'm in Ohio, but Bone Thugs and Harmony was it. Oh, for brother. They were it for me. And so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what I, you know, what I got initially was their style, which was the fast rapping. It was the chopping style. But also what you had when you listen to Bone was you had all those elements of R&B. You know, back then it wasn't like it is now. You didn't have R&B artists on all these rap songs. They started that, you know, right. they completely changed, you know, nobody had come before, you know, first of all, nobody was rapping as fast as they were. Secondly, Nobody was singing while they were doing it. And they, they brought all that. And so, you know, like I said, part of it's where I'm from. It's, it's kind of that loyalty thing. Like, you know, I'm 45 minutes outside of Cleveland. Like, these guys are putting Cleveland on the map. And it's just, I mean, what a time. So. Yeah, I would say when it comes to, like, looking back as a whole, like, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So the clarity of, like, what really I resonated with the most is probably what most people would consider like Southern rap or Southern hip hop. Mm -hmm. where It's mm -hmm. the TIs. It's the, it's the ludicrous of the world. Like that style with a little bit of a Southern draw as mm -hmm. I have, it, mm -hmm. it made a connection very real for me. But now I will say in my heyday, it would be hard to dismiss the idea yeah. of how much I listen to like, Bone Thugs and Harmony, how much I listen to DMX, how much I listen to, if you want to talk about fast rapping, I don't know that I could beat Twista or Tech Nine as like guys that really I loved hearing because I just felt like that's a talent in and of itself to be able to articulate in such a 
fast manner, but something that had such clarity to it, like just blew my mind. Right. And, you know, as we go, you know, <laughs> I had to kind of stop myself from jumping in, but you're going to hear plenty about because, you know, because we, we've had this conversation, but I'm just like itching, you know. Um, but one that you did mention and, you know, I had it, um, I wanted to make sure that we talked about before we, we kind of got into our top fives, um, you know, and that is DMX. You know, we lost him a couple weeks ago um, way too soon. Um, I know for me that one hurt real bad because, I mean, he's been – towards the top of my list like my whole life you know I mean I was 10 years old kind of when he blew up and I discovered him in 98 and um there was just nobody like him though and it was so cool like when you talk about South Carolina which is where I'm from mm -hmm. and hip-hop you don't make the assimilation of DMX right DMX lived about 20 minutes from me and has for probably 10 or 12 years. Okay. And this is going to be a tangent. I'm sure with you and I talking as much as we get on tangents about things that we love. Here's a small tangent. It we was have no Mother's... time limit. So you go ahead. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So mother's day, probably nine years ago. Mm -hmm. It's the day before it's a Saturday. I'm like, I got to get my mom a card. My mom loves flowers. So I'm like, I'm going to pick up some plants. I'm going to get a really nice card. I'm going to write something that'll make her cry. It's going to be great. I'm in a Walmart, and I hear this unmistakable voice reading Mother's Day cards out loud. <laughs> now, I don't know if every Walmart is the exact same, but at this time, at this particular Walmart, you know, they section off for each holiday specific cards. Yes. But it's on both sides of the aisle. So mm -hmm. half of the aisle is like everything you could want in any card ever, and then some of the Mother's Day, and then the entirety of the other aisle is Mother's Day. So I'm in the half section, and I hear it. You're the greatest mom. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, there's no way. And I heard that voice. And I turned around the corner, and I'm not kidding. DMX is reading Mother's Day cards out loud in Walmart. <laughs> and he sees me. It's like one of those things where... He must have known somebody was creepily staring at him from around right. the camp at a Walmart. You could just sense it. Yes. And he turns around. And he goes, what's up? And I went, um, you're DMX. Uh, it's like one of those TV moments where you tell the person who they are and they already know that they're that person. Yeah. And he kind of laughed and he was like, come on, man, come over here. I walk over to him and he's like showing two different Mother's Day cards of like which one he wants to get. And I'm just stunned. And he's like, we should take a picture. This is the one time, and I hate, I hate to admit it now because obviously of, of recent events, I was like, we're going to have another time to take a picture. He had a Clemson Tiger hoodie. Um. And I'm a huge South Carolina Gamecock fan. And I said, I would love to. Do you have on a T-shirt underneath your hoodie? And he laughed, and he's like, no. And I was like, first off, you should probably wear a shirt under your hoodie. Second off, I'm a huge Gamecock fan, and I really I can't do it. And he died laughing, and we had this like, Really cool, like two minute conversation where he ultimately picked out his Mother's Day card at the time. Um, and it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, that was my one run in with DMX, who I think you and I were texting about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, he was the soundtrack to like my glory days. Oh, you know, yeah. when I'm playing high school basketball and at the height of like what the world is and, and getting ready to go to college and, and play a little bit, hopefully at that level, you go, what am I going to get pumped up to? And if you weren't listening to X, going to give it to you. Uh, as many times as you could on repeat, you were doing life wrong as a high school athlete, at least in my time period. I mean, every time I listen to it, I want to run through a wall. So yes, you're absolutely right. A hundred percent. I mean, if, if, if you weren't listening to that back to back with, you know, uh, party up and who we be, sorry, we could have been friends back in the day. And that's just the way it worked. Yep. <laughs> but man, thanks for sharing that. What a story. <laughs> Yeah, so if if you need any Mother's Day advice uh, for cards, I have uh, expertise in helping celebrities select uh, the perfect Mother's Day card. You know, if anybody needs to, you know, hire me for those services. Well, you know, that's a skill that not too many people possess. So <laughs> I don't think I even have it. I think I was just so nervous. I was like, oh, the pink one looks good. Cool. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what do you say we get into this? Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. So. Um, what do you 
so we, like I said, we're going to do two different fi top five lists. We're doubling down. So the first one we're going to do is going to be what we believe to be our personal favorite top five rap hip hop albums of all time. After that, then what we're going to do is what, in our opinion, we just consider the greatest. Doesn't necessarily have to be our favorite, but what we think has shaped the entire genre of hip hop to, and honestly, all of this is subjective. You and I are doing this because it's fun and we have so much in common. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to going back and forth. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously our opinions might not be shared by everybody and that's fine. And that's the fun in doing this. That's and, right. you so know, they, because it does, be it, right. And it does create those conversations, you know, all the time we'll do a top five for the show. And then, you know, Sammy will text me and be like, oh, uh, well, I really like this. And I'll be like, damn, I didn't even think of that. And then I like second guess, like, hmm, well, would that make my list? That's right. Or you have the top fives where I listen and I have to pull into the gas station and get a fast break. You're welcome. And, and then you're, oh, man, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, yep, there's a QT. I am, I am terrible for people's diets, let me tell you. Well, you, you didn't do me any favors on that, but it really tasted good. I, uh, sidebar, but, you know, it's funny, you know, I'll randomly get messages from Ty, and the other day Ty goes, so, uh, I just want you to know that Candace had never eaten a burger in her life, but now that's all she wants to eat. And this is really, really not helping my diet. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, but at least she's eating burgers now. That's right. You've opened her up to a whole new world. Hey, you know what? Maybe people will go, I have all of these albums I need to listen to now. And for that, we just say, you're welcome. All right. Well, let's get this. Let's get this started. So you know how this works. We will go back and forth. Um, I will let you take the role of Caitlin, so that means that you get to go first. Do you have any honorable mentions? When it comes to favorites, I have four honorable mentions. Uh, that's what I like to hear, because that means you had more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're wow. the guest, so that means you can have as many as you want. Oh. So uh, go ahead, take it away. All right, so no, uh, coming in at number nine, we're going to stay with some Southern, some Southern Hip Hop, Paper Trail by T.I. That is a great album. Um, that is probably my favorite T.I. album. Really? I would say so, yeah. Okay. I, I, will, uh, I will debunk that myth momentarily as why it's, it's, it's not my number one, but I can see why Paper Trail would be. If you have three back-to-back -back songs that are Live Your Life, Whatever You Like, and No Matter What, that's, it's, it's a great choice. Yeah, um, man, it would be hard. Um, yeah, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Okay, keep going. All right, so number eight, I'm going to come in with a little bit. Uh, this is going to be, for me, one of the, the more recent albums. Okay. Take, Take Care by Drake. All right. I so, will give my, so I will give my opinion on Drake. Um, bring it. I am not a Drake hater. I know that there's plenty of those out there. My thing is... I was a big early Drake fan. Okay. After probably... Probably after the Take Care album is where it started to go downhill for me. Okay. So but, I, got, I got you on the last good one, in your opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that, that one just had some, some hits. It had, you know... Uh, for me, it was uh, probably a little bit more, like, sentimental. Like, that was the summer right before I had... Our, we had our first child and so that was mm -hmm. kind of like what i was listening to right. in that time frame so um he had marvin's room and i was painting michael's room and so i would <laughs> jam to that yep. you know while i was creating a nursery so it, it was solid um we'll go uh number seven college dropout kanye oh, west okay okay so um just a little uh little preview i, I do have a kanye album uh, not not for this list, but for the for the next one. Oh, okay, all uh -huh. right. Uh -huh. uh, number six. This is, um, I would say, to me, an extremely underrated album. This would have been in our our younger, more formidable years. Okay. But the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh my God! Thank you. Because, and I'm saying thank you because it hurt my heart to not put it on either of my lists. Um, to me, that's a masterpiece. Dude, I it's mean, like... You, it's it's a, proven by how she cleaned up, you know, at the Grammys. I, 
Yeah. But. It's one of those weird, like, I don't know if I categorize it as a hip-hop or rap album or R&B or soul or reggae. It's just like, yes. It's a music it's album. Yeah. And I, I really fought. It almost took it almost took spot number five, but when I started thinking of what's my favorite, it's usually what gets me like the most hyped up. Okay. Okay. So here we go with number. F- are you, are you going to do honorable mentions before? Yeah, we get I, yeah, five? I have two. Yeah, I have two. All right. See, look so, at this. You know, you know how this see, works. I'm, I'm a listener. Listen. I'm a loyal listener. <laughs> All right. So, uh, like I said, I have two. Um, my first one is AT Aliens. Oh, I love you. Um, we can go on about, about this uh, later, but if I had to say, you know, I, I don't know that I could pick who's the greatest rapper of all time because I feel like my opinion would change. Um, but there are certain days where I feel like Andre 3000 is it. The most underrated, if not the best of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, some would say that Equemini is is a better album, um, but this is a favorite, and so it was my first introduction to them, um, and I was just hooked. I mean, that just this, it's it was such a different sound than what I was used to, and you know, him and Big Boy, they just they play so well off of each other, and I mean, I don't think there's been a better duo. Um, there, you can make arguments. I mean, I'm a huge UGK fan too, um, but yeah, I love Outcast. Oh, dude, Outcast is is like speaks to my soul. So I'm really happy that you put that that, that that's you know making the cutting room floor at least at honorable mention. Yeah, I mean it was number seven, um, and then yeah. So my second one, what I guess would be number six, is uh, Good Kid, Mad City, Kendrick Lamar. Oh yes, sir. Um, I think that that will, I don't know that that's his best album. It'll always be my favorite because that was kind of, that's what blew him up. That just shot him into the stratosphere. And funny story is back in 2010, um, so we haven't got to it yet, but I'm a huge Tech 9 fan. Tech 9 is my favorite rapper of all time. And I'll get into reasons why later. But um, so I've been to, oh gosh, I don't know, 15 Tech Nine shows. I don't know. Um, but back in 2010, he had, uh, he was on tour and I had VIP. So you get to do a meet and greet before the show. Well, at that show, so this is about the time when uh, J Rock was about to release Follow Me Home. And he had kind of signed like a partnership deal with Strange where, you know, they were going to partner to distribute the album. So J-Rock was there on tour. Well, his hype man at the time in 2010 was Kendrick Lamar. So Ooh. this was right about the time where uh, the overly dedicated mixtape had dropped. Yep. And so he was really kind of starting to make a name. That's how I discovered him. Um, but it was just, it's so funny to think that I met him in 2010 when nobody knew who this dude was. He was the hype man for J-Rock. But he couldn't have been nicer. He was just, he's very soft-spoken. He was very humble. He was very gracious with everybody that, you know, wanted to take pictures with him and, and, you know, came up and and took the time to meet him. And you think two years later, and this dude's one of the biggest rap stars in this era. Cause that would have been what was that right before what section 80 came out was like Mm -hmm. 2011, 2012, maybe, or good kid, mad city was 2012 section 80. And then to pimp a butterfly. Ooh, masterpiece. So, yeah, I mean, Good Kid, Mad City, it's one of those ones. And, you know, that's that's kind of what did it for me to, to make my list was, can I throw this on? I don't have to skip a thing. And it takes me on a 45 to 80 minute journey. And that's what that album is. So what's your favorite song on that album? I have to know. <sighs> um, man, that's hard. <sighs> Let me think about it while we do this. All right. Because I love that whole album as a whole, but it's, it's going to be hard for me to pick a favorite, but I will. Because I'm going to say, The Art of Peer Pressure is my joint. Okay. So, uh, if you would have said that, you know, we'd have shared that very, you know, impassioned moment there. Well, when we get done with the list, I will, I will make a decision. That's, that's solid. 
All right. What is your number five? Let's get this started. So number five, top five favorites. Again, mine is going to be centered around like getting excited, a little pumped up. And this is going to be probably the biggest wild card, maybe of the show, is Gutta by Ace Hood. It, it's like it's like we're related. <laughs> I listen. Ace Hood, like there's, you know, when you think about, especially kind of this newer era, you know, not so much the late 90s guys, but, you know, when you think about, like, when I think about guys of this era where it's like, what can I throw on where it's going to pump me up? Ace Hood is one of those. Yes. Um, You know, kind of like, you know, the DMXs and those guys were, you know, the TIs to kind of that extent. He was kind of in between. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, just some of the beats and he's just got that energy. Um, Big Ace Hood fan. Yeah, I'm telling you, when the, the first time I heard that album, it, it came out like, oh, eight. Because um, that like, was his debut, right? Yes. So, yeah, so yeah. debut album, it's like summer of 08. Like I had just finished, what would that have been, my junior year of college maybe? And I get home and it's like, I'm going to go to the music store when those were a thing. So the antiques for the younger listeners, they used to be called music stores. And it was like, new albums dropped this week. So I go pick it up and I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to buy it. And that that CD did not leave my car's sound system for probably like two months like it was just constantly playing so yeah it gets me gets me fired up it's funny so like before i even i guess uh like discovered ace hood like his um which i guess it was about the same time but he was on one of the dj Khaled albums and his song was like uh, standing on the mountaintop yep and at the end of that he just kind of rips for like a good 25 30 seconds and i was just like wow who is this dude and um yeah, just I, I like Ace Hood. Um, you know, his a lot of his mixtapes, like the statement, um, was a good one. Um, yeah, that's that's a good choice. I like that number five. Yeah, that's gonna be the wild card. It's not like the most traditional artist, I feel. Okay. Um, all right, well, my number five, uh, I think probably universally could considered a classic. Um, you know, I kind of told the story on a previous episode that it was one of the first. Like, it was the first album. I bought two, but it, this was one of the first two albums that I ever bought with my own money. Uh, but that is Marshall Mathers LP. Okay. And it just, I guess, it just changed my life. <laughs> I it's mean, like we're related. Right. I mean, like I said, you know, going back to talking about Andre 3000, there's days where I feel like Eminem could be the greatest. Dude, and that was such a, like a, and I'm going to talk more about this album later. Okay. But it was such a unique take on that time period of rap. It was just so different. Mm-hmm. Like it gave you hints and tones of like what was traditionally mainstream, but it just kind of busted like the, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it, it, it kind of busted the mold of like what was out right at that time. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was just, um, you know, I'm not going to play by the standard. I'm going to say whatever I want. And, you know, a lot of it obviously does not age well. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, 90% a lot of it. 90%, of it, yeah. 90% of it. Um, but I mean, you know, like my favorite Eminem song of all time. And it just always has been. And, you know, I mean, gosh, that could be a list of 100. But uh, The Way I Am is my favorite Eminem song ever. And... I mean, I would just, I had like my CD player and I would walk to school every day and I'd listen to that album and I'd walk home from school every day and I'd listen to that album. It is like we are related. We're going to hear song title again. All right. Well, what is your number four? Number four, 808s and Heartbreak, Kanye West. Okay. Now, this is pumped up in a little bit different way. Uh, for me um this was not one of those pump ups where it's like preparation pump up it's one of those things that's like a motivator so anytime i do studying or if i'm drawing or if i'm writing anything i have to have background music and Mm -hmm. it has to be something that keeps me engaged and the way that that album was composed was just so unique to me and it was something very different than what kanye had done with previous albums Mm -hmm. like i mean bringing in you know orchestras that were very different bringing in like these different ensembles that were there the way that it was produced some of it would sound overproduced and some of it would sound kind of grainy 
and dude like love lockdown and heartless and amazing just untouchable to me i mean I, that I, i'm yeah i mean i'm with you. that album is a vibe you know what i mean um unlike any of his others yeah it's so different and so fun like yes love it all right i like that uh, my number four it kind of hurt me to put it at number four but three above it just weren't going to move and uh my number four is it's dark and hell is hot dmx okay by far my favorite dmx album um that's not to say i don't enjoy the others i absolutely do um you know since he passed i've probably listened to that album through five or six times it's just it's just been on repeat because it's just bringing back and that's that's the greatest thing and you know I'm, i'm sure you feel the same way with your list is you can talk about an album or you can talk about a specific song and you hear it and it takes you back to a place immediately or it takes you back to a specific time and it's just there's not a lot of things that can do that but music is one of those things that can do that a song can come on that i haven't heard in 20 years but i'll know the lyrics it i think it's one of the things that's frustrating because it's like the things that i try to remember sometimes i can't right but the second i hear the first two beats hit and rough riders anthem it's like you just give me the next three and a half minutes you know to myself right uh, because i'm in another world yeah it's one of those ones that you're in the car and you're not getting out of the car till it's done <laughs> i will be late to work sorry boss if you happen <laughs> to listen if it comes on you're getting three less minutes of me in the work day it ain't gonna happen yep all right number three all right now we're getting into uh some good stuff here I'm going Carter Three, Lil Wayne. Oh, that's my favorite Lil Wayne album. It's like we know each other, Drew. It's like yeah. we know each other. Yeah. Um, uh, that one was for me again. It was it was time period. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of my music in my favorites is is gonna be that mid to late two thousands. You know, that's high school, that's college, that's kind of like your freedom years, so to speak, where. You know, you're really getting to do what you want to do and what you enjoy and what you like. And it just takes me back to just times with some really, really good friends, some that are here and some that sadly have have passed that you know, I can just I can hear, you know, the first second and a half of, you know, a Millie come on mm-hmm. and I'm instantly on a couch watching TV with some of my best friends, yeah. you know, I'm, or, I, or I'm in a gym shooting basketball with my friends. And it's like. You, it's, you just hit on it a second ago. The way that music brings back some really, really good memories through just being itself and being preserved over time is, is that nostalgia pull that we all you know, have talked about previously. But yeah, I mean, the Carter Three, my favorite Lil Wayne album of all time. And, and dude, so it, it had to make the favorites list. And like I said, uh, it did hurt a little bit at it not being at the very top because I think it's so good. Yeah. But my top two weren't moving either. They weren't going anywhere. Right, right. And I mean, you know, that was like my peak fandom for Lil Wayne in that time. Like, I remember me and a few of my work buddies, because, um, you know, Carter 3 came out, that was 08. Yep. Um, 2009, we went down to Cincinnati, and um, it was uh, Pleasure P, it was Jeremiah, it was Jeezy, and it was Lil Wayne. and like i'll never forget like during jeezy's set he brought out snoop dogg and that That was was like my mind oh i i did because i was like you know at that time i was i was like 20 but i was like man i'm never gonna ever see snoop live like in concert like i can't afford that you know when you're 20 you don't think about (laughs) being a being a full adult yet but i was just like my life is made like i just i just saw this just happened Right. So, yeah, that's good. Um, okay. So, moving along, my number three um, Tech Nine, Ever Ready, The Religion. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, Tech Nine is my favorite rapper. So, I am very well versed. Um, you know, a lot of people either A, don't know that Tech Nine is a rapper and not a rap group. That is a common misconception. And, uh, you know, secondly, a lot of people don't realize that Tech Nine has been making music since like, Mm, the late 80s yeah like people don't know that tech nine has a song with tupac like 
I mean, he didn't really gain notoriety until like 2010. And I mean, he was a 20 year veteran at that point. Um, but to me, Ever Ready is his perfect album. It might not be his best in his opinion or in other fans' opinion. To me, that album is perfection. Uh, I can listen to that album all the way through. I would never get sick of it. If I was going to be stranded on a deserted island, it would be hard not to choose this, but I have two ahead of it that I would have to, but I would be perfectly content if that was my choice. Um, it's just lyrically, um, you know, obviously for the people who don't know Tech 9 you know, kind of that same style. He's a, a chopper. He's a fast rapper. Um, but like you said earlier, what sets him apart is how clear he raps. Yes. You, when he raps fast, you don't have to, it's not a struggle. Like that was, you know, when I was little growing up listening to the bone, I was like, man, that sounds really cool. That's really fast, but I'm not really sure what they're saying. <laughs> you don't ever have to worry about that with tech nine. You know what he's saying. And no, it's so wild. Like the pronunciation is in his vocabulary. His, yes. And it's like the way that he decides to pronounce the word so perfectly is what mm -hmm. makes the flow so good. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, that's honestly part of, I guess, what why he didn't reach, you know, why he was underground for so long and why he's, you know, he's still independent, but um, is, and I'm not saying that you have, like, but some people just like the more dumbed-down music where it's just about the beat and it's got a good chorus and that, um, but his intricacies and just his he can what he can do with his vocabulary is i think second to none um i you know i'll beat the tech nine drum for the rest of my life like still to this day on my car i have the snake and bat on the front and i have the tech nine <laughs> license plate cover on the back like it's just it's it's been you know i mean i discovered him um after absolute power so 2003 and just been hooked ever since so and, i mean I've, I've probably met him a dozen times and i'm probably the typical person who encountered tech nine almost as i would say too late to really appreciate now now being a fan of rap for so long i've grown to appreciate it because it's just like when we watch anything you can go mm -hmm. back and look at an older movie or watch an older wrestling match because we're both wrestling fans and you can appreciate things that maybe weren't in your time period. And so that's kind of like where my tech nine fandom came in probably like late two thousands, like Oh eight to 2010. Mm -hmm. And it's like, at that point it's going, how much of this guy can I digest at one time? Right. Like when you stumble upon it and you go, Oh, this is really good. How did I miss the boat? And so I am guilty of that. So you have to forgive me. I'm, I'm oh, guilty. Okay. I'm still oh, digesting okay. tech nine in 2021. Well, and that's the thing, you know, he's, you know, when you take his solo albums, his collabos albums, his EPs, I mean, he's got over 25 albums. So there's plenty of catalog there. And, you know, as he has evolved over the years, that's just, he's always like, I, I kind of make the, like, if, if I was going to make a comparison in wrestling terms, I would compare Tech Nine kind of like to Chris Jericho. He has always been able to reinvent himself and change with the times, and but still kind of stay true to what he is. Um, but he can take, like, he's he can have, you know, go listen to the song "Worldwide Choppers." He has, um, the first not the first verse in the album, but um, he's got I don't know probably fifty-two bars in his verse, and he does it in three different styles throughout the whole beginning of the song. It like, makes you sick how good he is at one thing. Right. I wish I was as good at one thing as he was at three different styles of rapping. Right, right, right. And it's just, man, it's so insane. So yeah, that's my number three, Ever Ready, The Religion. I love it. All right, now we're, we're, we're going to go back, and here's, here's a point of connectivity for us. Yes. Number two, Stank On You by Outkast. Oh, thank you. That is a great choice. I will say that the first time I heard Miss Jackson mm -hmm. was the first time I think I really started connecting how much I liked Andre 3000's presentation. And yeah. it allowed me to go back and understand like a little bit better about who he, 
you know, who he is and what he was. I think that, because that was their, what, third or fourth album at the time. So, yeah, you know, their fourth, yep. So you, you, you go, it's the same thing kind of like with Tech Nine at that time where I'm saying, hey, I got to go back and listen. So you have just insane amounts of talent, but that style, a little bit of like that funk and Southern hip hop mm-hmm. blend, mm-hmm. Uh, dude, it can't be beaten to me. I will, I will, I will stand as your tag team partner, and I will fight to the death. That the greatest rap group duo, whatever you want to call it, if it's not Outkast, I'm not for it because I think they're the best. You won't get any arguments from me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's funny, you know, and with like the Stankonia album, like you know, you talked about how like Ace Hood and DMX and all those guys pumped you up. Like, I'll just throw on Bombs Over Baghdad, and oh, buddy, I'm, I'm raging i'm ready <laughs> yeah yeah if i i've decided that if if i was ever going to like get into mma that it would probably be like a bombs over baghdad this is what would get me just like amped to the point of no return yep oh god such a good album all right yes all right yeah so my number into two. the finals yes my number two um another one to me is just perfection but that's me against the world Tupac. Okay. I am uh, I'm a gigantic Tupac fan. So I'm so much of a Tupac fan that it took me probably eh, the first 24 years of my life to just stop being stupid about it and actually listen to Biggie and, and appreciate him for, for what he did. Because uh, I was definitely on that Tupac side. So I was like, eh, you know. So, so is, this, is this where you reveal to the world that if you lift up your shirt, you have thug life tattooed on your stomach? Is no, that... no. I might have the West Side symbol, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like we should, I feel like we should change that, you know? Uh, well, we can make that happen. I, I don't know if, if the wife will appreciate it. I know if I I'm will. Getting, if I'm getting any, anything with life, Tattooed on my stomach, it's going to be snack life, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I subscribe to that. All right. Well, it's time. Your number one most favorite rap album of all time. Well, staying true to my Southern hip hop love affair, it's King by T.I. Okay. Now, in my opinion, this okay. is his best album. And tell me why. This, to me, is the one album that he has that everything worked perfectly in terms of you had very, like, hype-up songs. So you have Front Back with UGK. You have Mm -hmm. Bankhead with Young Dro. Uh, Then you have, obviously, the most famous song from that album, What You Know. Mm -hmm. One of the best jams ever. Now... This, to me, is, is paired really, really well with a song like Hello that Pharrell Williams produced. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you have funny things like Mike Epps in a skit uh, yeah. multiple times. And so, to me, it was perfect, but Nostalgia really, really um, won the arm wrestling contest with me on this. Uh, the very first, like, quote-unquote, date that I ever went on with my now wife of almost 12 years... We were listening to King by T.I. And I will tell you, as much as I love T.I., the connection that that album actually has with me and my wife has been unreal. Like to this day, if she hears it or it comes up on, you know, when she, you know, plugs in her phone or whatever, like I get a text. It's like the picture of the song playing. It's like, hey, love you. And it's just that album cover. And so um, that and playability really won for me. Uh, this song surpassed not be. I bought the CD. So we still had iPods at this time. I'm not that old. We had iPods <laughs> this time. I still have an iPod, dude. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, my yeah. wife says I'm like the only person left. So it was me and you against the world, brother. I bought- guess what? There's not too many other places where I can store 30,000 songs. That's right. I I have an external hard drive so I can interchange music. And I've got like 100,000 songs on an external hard drive. There you go. And so I just keep switching it out. And she's like, why do you do that? And I'm like, listen, I have to. But this physical CD did not leave my car's CD player stereo system 
for over one calendar year. I did not hit eject. I did not remove. I just let it play. Yeah. And you know well, what? It's absolutely justified to be your number one. So that's number one. I like it. Hey, you're, I like it. Uh, my favorite song on the album is Undertaker. Oh, dude. Well, okay. Obviously, for multiple sense. reasons. That yes. Yeah, yeah, I, but hey, dude. DJ Drama, Young Dro, Young Buck, and Ti. I'm in a, a big. Song. I'm a big Young Buck fan, so yeah, I was. I like that collab. Oh man. Okay. Now you guarantee that's the first song I listen to when I get in my car to my. <laughs> Confirm. All right. So my number one, being with what we talked about earlier, shouldn't be a surprise, uh, but it's East 1999 Eternal, Bone Thugs and Harmony, 1995. I don't even I don't even consider that an album. It's to me just a, it's one continuous story. And okay. I, I've probably listened to that album thousands of times in my life, thousands. And, you know, if you told me I can only listen to one album for the rest of my life, it would have to be that one. It's to me, you know, 26 years later, it still holds up. The sound holds up, you know, back then DJ unique, you know, he was producing their albums and way ahead of its time for 95. But I, I just love it. To, like can't. that was, that you was their not smile. All oh, right. <laughs> right. I mean, that was, that was their peak. Like, you know, I know that that probably wasn't their like their peak of what they did. I mean, you know, it's crazy to think that in the 90s, like they were selling out stadiums like arenas. Dude, they even toured in 2015. Right. I mean, they're still going today. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie or sugarcoat anything like their quality of music has dipped dramatically since 2000. But that doesn't mean I'm not a fan. Doesn't mean I don't still listen. Um, you know, just as a group, the talent that they had. I mean, I think that Crazy Bone to this day is so underrated. You know, if you ever ask me, like, who has the greatest flow when they rap, Crazy Bone's very high on the list. Like, and so I just, I, you know, I love that era of Bone. I always will. Um, my very first concert that I ever consumed in my life as a 12 year old, funny story is, um, I was working illegally <laughs> as a bus boy in a Mexican restaurant <laughs> that my sister was a waitress in and she couldn't get off work. So she took me to work and they hired me as a, you know, a drink filler and a bus boy, but I was 12 years old working in a Mexican restaurant. And, um, it was below like a bar slash like little concert club. Uh, in my hometown, Asheville, Ohio. And it was called Hoppers. And one night in the year 2000, Bone Thugs performed a concert there. And oh, buddy. So after the restaurant closed, you know, they were cleaning up and stuff. I obviously couldn't leave. I'm 12 years old. I'm not going to drive. So I just sat there and just listened to the concert. <laughs> oh, dude. It was great. Time I'm, of my life. Oh, dude, I'm all for that. Listen, I can't not crack a smile when I hear first of the month. Oh, yeah. It. And I will, I will be so bold as to say, if you don't smile listening to that song, you may not have a soul. I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, here's the thing. is A lot of the albums that you mentioned were things mm -hmm. that I struggled with not having a 40-album list of honorable mentions. Right. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, we could do so much with this. Like, we could just say, what are our top five, you know, southern hip-hop albums? And even that would be hard to do. Well, I think mine would just be five TI albums. <laughs> All right. Well, that one was good. So let's let's get into this other one. Now, do you have honorable mentions on your greatest list? I only have one. Okay. So I, go ahead. I have two, but yeah, you go ahead and do yours. I wanted to make it elite. So I try I almost tried to do no honorable mentions, but there is one album that I couldn't not have. And since so it's honorable mention, I won't say much about it, but it's the Marshall Mathers LP. All right. Minute. Okay. So so that to me it's not on my list. I can't well, you spoke so highly of it, I was hoping it was gonna it was gonna be on and there. That's the thing, again. like it it you know, I could make the argument for it, absolutely. But when I had to, you know, come down to it, you know, and I could have thrown I you know, I could throw it in as an honorable mention, but I could throw in fifty albums as an honorable mention. Oh, um so yeah, so my two, um the first one, uh to pimp a butterfly. Okay. Um, probably his best work. That's my favorite. Uh, to date. Yeah, to date. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
that whole album is just that's I would say if you talk about after the year 2010 that might be the best album that's been released Ooh, yeah I mean that was uh, again I didn't want I wanted this list to be like super elite and kind of exclusive mm-hmm. but I made a top 10 and that was like number seven or number eight I mean I love that album yeah okay um and then my other one um Kanye West my beautiful dark twisted fantasy okay i love the kanye love i i think that that is far and away his best work but that's just my opinion and i know that other people are going to say college dropout late registration and that is totally fine um to me as a producer this is his best work and like when i listen to that um that's what i connect with is the sounds it's not so much him lyrically on that album it's not the features it is it is a beautiful display of musical talent from what he was able to produce with that album and who he even had on the album like right. think about how good things were i mean kid cuddy was there mm-hmm. jay-z rick ross bonnie Vare was on this album mm-hmm. so like Think about it, like all of the things he pulled together. To me, um, you know, I had, had kind of spoken before we started recording that our what we think is the best and what our favorites are do have some stark contrast. To me, I'm in 100% agreement. This is his best album, period. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. What's your number five? Now it gets real. <laughs> now it gets real. Number five, All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Oh, that a boy. It is so, also not on my list. Wow. And so here's, here's why. Um, and this is, I guess to me, I, I'll just explain. So I love the Me Against the World album. To, to me, it is a stripped down, it's raw, and it's just Tupac. All sure. Eyes on Me, you know, that, this was his, you know, he was, he was out. He's with Death Row now. And it is a great album i love this album it's too feature heavy to me and i say that i say that i say that in a selfish sense that knowing that we weren't going to get more which you know you could talk about posthumously the albums that have been released and that's fine um but i just wanted it to i guess be more complete of with him but don't get me wrong love the album um I think you know. it was just, it was, it, to me, it kind of like encapsulated. And again, this is like, we're pretty young when this comes out, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're, yeah, we're, eight. Yeah. we're infantile little beings. And when you go back and you kind of look at hip hop, as I love to do, like, I love history and I love seeing where things have come from and being able to appreciate the past. So, like, to me, this is kind of where you kind of get some of the highest points of that West Coast, East Coast mm-hmm. battling. Mm-hmm. And here's a, here's a fun fact for the podcast to keep in with fun facts for okay. episodes. Okay. If I remember correctly, this was the first time a hip hop album had ever been released as like a full length double album ever in the genre. Yes. So there's your, there's the fun fact for the bonus episode. Um, but yeah, t- number five. Yep. Now, so do you think that that's his best work? Don't put me on the spot like this. Okay. Um, I will some say, say, some would say this, some would say the Machiavelli album. So, so that's where I would go. That okay. to me is his absolute, just pure best work. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think to me, it's it has like super super highs that have carried it to the best. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of like composition of an album as a whole, I think this is where it takes it for me. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, my number five, straight out of Compton. Okay. Um. So this is, you know, obviously before my time but it's one of those ones like you talk about where you can go back you can consume it you can appreciate it you can learn to love it and to me it just it changed the game this was the introduction of gangster rap yep and i mean just think about nwa like what i mean that super group you know <laughs> i mean it was the first super team Right, you don't have <laughs> Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Easy E, and I mean, you could say that. I mean, those three are legends. Oh, 
you can't dismiss like I think the historical impact, like if you're talking exactly. about exactly, and that's why our top five was going to be transformational for people. Like right. this was a huge transformation to the musical landscape. Yes. Yep. And so, yeah. So my number five. All right. Well, I'm going to build on your number five. Okay. And at number four, I'm going with the Chronic. That's by my Dr. Dre. <laughs> yes. That's my number three. <laughs> yes. It's like we're friends. Hot. Yeah. All also, right. I mean, that brought in that whole the G funk sound. Yes. And also, you know, that was it was, you know, just continuously evolving what the West Coast rap game was. Yeah, I think you know? it, it was so cool because, you know, Dr. Dre's had a couple of interviews and he talks about Parliament and George Clinton being his like one of his inspirations as far as his musical career is concerned. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Parliament did is that they layered instruments and they layered sounds in such a really unique way that you knew who it was. And right. that's like G-Funk was like his gift to the world. So it's that perfect blend of of that gangster rap that he was a part of, of instilling, too. So if you think about it, he's had two huge transformational outcomes as far as the landscape of hip hop and rap are concerned. And it's just like a timeless classic that just, to me, it gets better as time goes on because you realize, A, how good it was at that time period, and if it's still so good today and mm-hmm. how well it holds up. Dude, that and, and then, you know, the skits and the intros that are hilarious. Like, it was right. really one of the first times, that, like, comedy was introduced into music in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so, dude, let me ride in Dre Day. Send me, send me home. I'll be happy. Yeah. Perfect. all right well so that was my number three but i guess i gotta do my number four so my number four is ready to die biggie smalls (laughs) oh that's your number two yeah oh well see that now you know how caitlin feels (laughs) when we start getting into this and she's like oh you you ruined it you stole it you stole it thanks a lot right yeah okay so yeah so did you say your number three i didn't say my number three okay but you do your number three then all right, so number three, we're going with Wu Tang Clan. Enter the Wu, dude. That's my number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so which one do we want to talk about first? So we have some crossover here. Let's let. What do we want to cross over with first? We could talk about the Wu Tang. All right, so we had established kind of some ground rules that we wanted pivotal points in music in terms of genre it was going to help us define best. Right. And so this, I think, was really pivotal in terms of, like, just the industry as a lot. Like, West Coast rap at that time had just been crushing the scene, right? Like, dominating. Mm -hmm. This put us East Coast boys on the map. And I think it was a really unique way of looking at it as a group as a whole. Like, we hadn't had that as far as East Coast is concerned to really dominate something. And then production was so raw. And I know you mentioned that earlier, talking about Tupac, where it was stripped away. It was just him. Yep. Dude, it the the production of this album is so stripped away that you really hear kind of like that grit and grime that I just mm-hmm. kind of came to love with those guys. Yep. And I mean, just when you just talk about sheer volume as far as like a collection of talent. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, no, nothing's matched it. No. And then. Like you, you highlight and launch a career of someone like Method Man basically has a self-titled track to himself on the Mm -hmm. album. Are you kidding me? Right. Hello. Yeah. Oh, you get me. Think about, think about, just think about how many different guys had lyrical credit on that album. I think it was 212 the last time I counted. (laughs) Okay. Well now we can talk, we can talk about Radio to Die now because I can see where this is trending and I know before we get to number one that we're going to share the same number one. I, so, I feel uh, that it's probably true. So, yeah. So, what makes Ready to Die number two for you? Okay. It was a fight between two and one, and it has been for a long time. But number one has been a consistent number one, so it had to be number two by default. Mm-hmm. But this, the reason it was number two and that it jumped the others that I've mentioned is... This is the debut. Like, this is the origin story, as all of us comic book fans or Marvel fans will talk about the origin story. This is its origin story at its finest. Right. And it wasn't just because of, like, 
he had like so much personality and wit and the way that he communicated. But it's like there's jazz, there's funk, there's R and B, there's big band samples in yeah. this album that I thought like that, that charisma and that wit were just undeniable. Like I everyday was... everyday struggle, like you hear who he is and then the production right. value is just insane. Right. I always I always feel like when I can sit and listen to an album and I feel like somebody's telling me a story. Yes. And it can connect with me in some way. You know, I might not relate to what he's going through in any sort of way, but I can appreciate what he's telling me. Yes. And that makes me a fan. Because think- you you can make me feel like I can feel your emotion while you are telling that story. And I feel like it was just the the realness. Like, it was reality-based. It wasn't one of these where, you know, I'm going to rent 10 cars for a music video and have this amped-up thing. It was like, hey, man, this is my life. You can take it. You can leave it. But I'm going to give you – you're going you're gonna to vibe to this, and you're going to have a good time doing it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not listening to any other album for a while. After I listen to Undertaker, Ready to Die will be spinning in the car. <laughs> well, we do have one more. And it'll be what I will be listening to. Okay. Um, so I'm sure we're going to have the same one, but I will let you go ahead since you are my guest and go ahead and announce what is, in your opinion, and probably mine as well, the greatest rap album of all time. Do you want to say it on three and see okay, if we're right? Sounds good. All right. One, two, three. Illmatic. Illmatic by Nas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, oh, man. Oh, so. so- What's so funny is, you know, I, I, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. Yes. And, you know, I just kind of knew that this was coming up. And so last week, you know, I said, when would be good for you? And you kind of gave me some time. And I said, well, what about if we do Monday? Now, the reason I wanted to do today is because another random fact for the show. Today is the 27th anniversary of Illmatic being released. I'm 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 doing like the Catholic crossing myself in respect. Yeah. So yeah. 27 years ago, the greatest <sighs> rap album of all time was released. I will. I have even had arguments that I think this may be one of the greatest albums ever across ever. any genres. I would agree. It to me, it was a. Here's what's crazy. This is the first studio album. Mm-hmm. It is. And again, I think this this has some connection to a lot of people. But as far as like myself, why I hold it in such high regard, it's like I, you know, I was talking about my mom and my family being involved in music, and you hear lyrics and you hear kind of the the heart behind things. Like this is what like the most intense and intelligent version of poetry. Yeah, and you know, bringing in things like samples from like Cool in the Gang, Average White Boy, you know. One of my dad's favorites, the Gap Band. You have mm-hmm. those things where you're like, oh my God, like this is crossing so many different age groups and it's reaching different audiences because of the style of music. And then his communication, the way that I communicated to an employee of mine here at the office who said, why do you think that's the best album ever? Because I saw my list. I said, what is this? And is he, it's, 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 you know, you have to fight for it, right? So I said, it's the perfect blend of like melody and melodic instrumental and music and like cerebral lyricism. Yeah. Like somebody, I I didn't say this, but I heard somebody say this once and I was like, if anybody ever asked me to explain it, I guess this is probably the best I can do than just trying to explain it. But I heard somebody say once that Illmatic is basically the gospel of the streets. Yeah. I'll sign up for that class. Let me get gospel of the streets for a thousand Alex. I mean, is there really a better way to explain it? No. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. I, mean, I thought um, I had a pretty good breakdown there, and I was like, well, that was wrong in one sentence. Yeah. No, that's no, not at all. I mean, everything you said is perfect. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, and to think about, you know, that album's 27 years old today, and you can listen to it, and you can still feel it like it just came out today. Dude. The world is yours and memory lane. The world is yours is my favorite song. That, so I ranked a couple of songs on here for this one, mm-hmm. and that's my number one. Okay, that's my number one as well. <laughs> oh, this is just beautiful. Well, you know, and, if it, 
if anything happens to our wives, we can just move in together and listen to Elmatic for the rest of our lives. Hey, I'm cool with that, brother. And uh, because I didn't forget, I have a terrible memory, but I didn't forget this one. Uh, if I had to choose a song for Good Kid, Mad City, it would be Poetic Justice. Okay. That was, that was number two for me. Okay. It's like we're friends. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a blast, man. Um, you know, we, we're at an hour. So for, for this show, it's uh, a little different. But that's kind of what I want to... This is going to be a deeper dive. And, you know, like I said... You know, Caitlin and I have a wonderful thing with our show, and we love doing it. Um, this is just me kind of, A, satisfying my craving to do more content because I have so much fun doing it, and B, getting to talk about things that I know I wouldn't be able to on our show. And like I said, you know, when I thought about having who I want to have on, it had to be you first because, I mean, you've been with this thing since before this was a thing. So, Man, I love it. And the show is fantastic, and I think it's really cool that, you know, we're going to get some, some bonus content. And, man, I'm, I'm very honored to be the very first one. So it's, uh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. It's, yeah. it's, it's so exciting. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I have some people in mind for some different ideas. Um, some of them are aware of that. Some of them are not yet, but they will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, before we get out of here, um, if you want to plug anything, I know that you've got a ton going on with your art. You're a busy dude, um, but we love you. So anything you want to plug, do that. I want to plug um, Tales from the Estate. Oh, it's, it is, uh, for me, it's an escape from my day-to-day life, and it's a, it's a chance to almost sit down and have a conversation with you, who we've never met in person, but we're really close. And it's one of those things where I kind of feel like a piece and, and a part of it. And I know that's what you guys are trying to accomplish, and you do it really well. So that's my plug, man. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. But that's really, you know, we have fun doing it together. And it really is just a, a peek into our lives. But, you know, that that's what... I guess when I get feedback about the show, that's what means the most to me is when somebody can relate to us, like something we said and they're like, Oh man, that really made me laugh. Or I never really thought about it that way. Uh, that means the world to me because you know, our show is different than a lot of the shows that you and I listen to, you know, right. we listen to a lot of wrestling shows and that's great. And you know, I am all for as much wrestling content as possible, but we do something different. And I think that that's pretty cool. I love it, man. I love it. So yeah, that's my plug. So if you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe and keep listening and tell others to do the same if they want to be cool. All right. Well, I got to thank you again. Um, this has been everything I expected it to be and more. It was perfect, man. I love it, man. It was so exciting. Thank you for, for having me on. I'm honored. Yes. So thank you for being here. And, you know, we'll be back. I'll be back doing this again next month. Uh, but like always, and you got to help me out with this, brother, because Caitlin's not here, but we got to do a little uh, too sweet. sweet. <laughs>